0: Welcome to the Inside Data Centre podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data centre sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Centre podcast. Today, I'm joined by Matt Hawkins, who's the Global Account Director at CNET Training. Morning, Matt. Morning, Andy. How are you? You well? Yes,
1: thanks. Yes, thanks. Looking forward to uh, getting back to some normality, hopefully in the not too distant future,
0: but you know, still living the dream. I see it, exactly. We were just chatting before this about how we can't wait for the pubs to open, uh, which is obviously a very British, <laughs> a very British thing, but we need a pint of beer. Very Indeed. Um, Thanks for coming on today main reason I wanted to get you on is obviously I get asked a lot of questions about training and about what's available to people how can they get into the industry etc and obviously that's your specialism so it'd be good to touch on that and also touch on a bit about your career and how you ended up in in the industry do you just want to give everyone a quick introduction of who you are and what you do at the moment
1: yeah, so uh, Matt Hawkins, Global Account Director for CNET Training. So I oversee um, effectively the sales function for the business around the world in all of the regions that we operate, um, which is pretty much all of them in terms of the education that we offer. Um, so, yeah, so I, I look after all that side of things and we, we operate right from the USA, the whole of Europe, Middle East, um, bit of Africa, and then across the Asia PAC region as well for the data center offerings that we have. And then we've got the network infrastructure um installation training programs designing and network infrastructures where we heavily operate in the uk marketplace and also we we offer that in the us and some of the asia middle eastern areas as well where appropriate
0: yeah i think that's really key as well because you've obviously got that global exposure which is again why a lot of clients come to me as well because we work in all the different regions you can have a bit of an insight into each area and what's happening across the world which is not something that everybody else has
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think a a lot of organisations, certainly the ones that that we deal with here, they're looking for that unity, they're looking for, you know, the same skill set at a baseline for everyone in certain job functions and job roles across, across the board. They don't want a team, you know, operating in, you know, Singapore, for example, that is completely different to a team operating in Chicago. You know, there needs to be some sort of um, you know parity across the board of, of the baseline functions and then of course yes the, the regional specialism will, will come in at that point and the standards and all of that.
0: Yeah exactly and we'll go into that a bit later um, on this but I always like to go back to the beginning and you know you like me you started your career in sales but just interested to see what did you study at college you know how did you end up in sales and obviously how did you end up at, at CNET?
1: Yeah, so I think like nearly everyone I talked to, I fell into this industry. You know, I don't think I've met anyone that came uh, with a clear defined pathway of wanting to get into uh, data centres, certainly. Network infrastructure may be a little bit different, but there wasn't really a defined path. And and I was one of these individuals that actually left school at 16 um, in the UK when I finished my GCSEs at the time. Um, was then waiting on the results from them personally didn't get the grades that I was predicted to get to you know all of that sort of stuff with exams um, and then sort of had a decision to make at 16 years old of well what do I do do I go to college and do um, something. <laughs> something not really sure what no defined path of where I want to get to Um, or at the time I was working at the weekends in um, an electrical retail store anyway and there happened to be a job opening appeared there so I just took the decision at that point to you know get a job and earn some money Um, I never really had the aspirations of university personally I didn't want to be saddled with debts um, for going for university I couldn't go and do A levels at my school because the grades I got weren't appropriate to go back and do the the a-level subject so i made the decision at that point to get a job and and ended up falling into to electrical retail um which which was an industry of of sort of b2c really you know you're working in a shop somewhere um you're selling your products that they've got on the shelves effectively and you're really uh selling to people that are walking off the street you know there isn't a lot of other sort of sales type approach to it but you do learn to talk to people and meet people and all that sort of stuff which was great and you know I spent a good five five and a half years doing that straight out of school at 16 years old and sort of learn. The basics of sales if you like ended up doing some training through the company I worked for the company I worked for were were quite a good one in the retail space but I think I got to a point when you realize there's not a lot of money in retail um, you know it's it's a hard slog there's a lot of the
0: hours. hours yeah the hours <laughs> you
1: know, and, and, you know, hats
0: off to all the people that
1: still work in it but there's a lot of hours for a hard slog for, for not a lot of output at the end of it in reality so at that point I decided it was time to sort of Look around elsewhere and see what was going on, and and you know, luckily to me, uh, CNET training who, who I work for, the headquarters is in Bury St Edmunds, up in Suffolk in the UK, and that's where I live. That's where I've, I was born and raised. So um I know who they are. I know uh, the CEO anyway, and and just happened to have a conversation with him uh, about what it's like working in business to business rather than in um you know the retail space. That's how it all came about. Ended up at the end of that conversation, and he offered me a job and. So if you don't look back from there, I suppose, is, is the end of that discussion because 16 years I've been here uh, this year. So came into CNET um, just as a salesperson. And back when I joined CNET, we we pretty much only did training in the UK, um, a little bit in the Middle East at the time, but mainly UK marketplace. And back then it was all network infrastructure. It was your copper fiber installation training. and The, the crux and the, the core of where CNET training started was military armed forces resettlement in the UK to get into copper and fiber network cabling installation. And that's what we did as a business. Um, When I joined, we were a little bit more commercial. We were doing that as well as commercial training and that sort of stuff. Um, And then the year that I joined, we launched the first ever data center design program that the world had ever seen. You know, data centers were starting to become a bit of a topic to talk about back then. So we're talking sort of 2005 Um, and we decided it was time to develop something in that space. And we had the first three day, um, Initial data center design course, Um, and really we've grown from there.
0: Exactly, sixteen years later, here we are. But it's quite interesting because I started in data centers exactly the same time, which is, which I thought was quite interesting, really, because I remember it just starting to the in the UK. This was the market just starting to pick up with the financial institutions and the mobile providers kind of coming into the region. But I was quite interested to see your view on how it's changed over that sixteen-year period, kind of from when you first turned up in data centers, I suppose, to, to now when you're, you know, you're saturated in the market. How, how have you seen the industry evolve during that period?
1: Yeah, and there's been a lot of change and, and there always continues to be a lot of change. We're in a technical industry, you know, there's always changes to products, to to equipment and, you know, chipsets and all that sort of stuff that make things faster, better, better storage, you know, and, and the reality is that the world has changed so much in 16 years, you know, that, that everyone wants everything all of the time. Uh, you know, when I joined in 2005, I remember I had a desktop uh, PC in the office uh, the first thing you did in the morning was you checked your emails from the night before because there was no such thing as a smartphone. You know, so you did only work the hours you are in the office back then, uh, you know. And then nowadays, as everyone knows, especially during this pandemic, you know, you are almost switched on 24-7, 365 available for anything at any time, which isn't necessarily a good thing, um, but it is much more um you know everyone wants information all of the time and they want the access and if they can't get it actually it, it's a pain to their life uh, you know so the world has changed massively back then i think initially the the educational piece that we have was more in the enterprise market it was your financials you know it was your big financials that had lots of data to transfer around to store transactions and it was all about the cost of you know a credit card transaction or a you know, a payment and making sure it was done on time, because if they didn't, they'd lose lots of money on their percentages they were getting through it all. So it all started mainly in that sort of financial space. Um, but it's grown so much from there with the, you know, the expansion of the internet, that the cloud, um, everyone moving their storage out of their own storage systems into, you know, uh, someone else's data centre somewhere in the world under the, the cloud scenario. So the, the market has changed massively. Um, there's been so much growth in emerging markets around the world that have gone from being an emerging market to an established market and now we're into other emerging markets so huge amounts of change globally but interestingly one of the areas where there's not been a lot of change is how do you get into it uh, you yeah, know something exactly that, that. Changed massively in, in that
0: period no I, I totally agree with that as well i think i was watching a video i recorded a couple of years ago yesterday i stumbled across it and I was talking about the same things I'm talking about now and I was kind of thinking you know have we actually done anything it made me sit back and think have we actually done anything in that period or not but one thing I was going to say about Cnet as well how do you keep up with the industry from a training perspective is it clients coming to you saying you know we need extra training in this area could you produce a course for it or would you produce the course and take that to your clients?
1: couple of different ways really both of those are, are, are true um we don't try to be too blue sky we don't try and deliver develop a training program for example that we think might be relevant in five years time we, we're sort of more in the now and the near Good future now, yeah. um and also the basics of well, say the basics but at the right level the the basics of a baseline of that job function so all of our programs are built around job task analysis and job function you know, from whether it be network cable installer program for certified network cable installers who exactly what it says on the tin, copper fiber installation work, or whether it be the CDCDP being the certified data center design professional who are designing new builds, um, extensions, changes, white space, or whatever it might be, or management or whatever, they are very much what they say they are, and they follow job task analysis in conjunction with industry. What we also have, which funnily enough, we we had one of our sessions last week was we have something we refer to as the TCAB, which is our technical curriculum advisory board. And that's made up of a number of different individuals from around the world, from different clients, different types of clients, whether they're enterprise, colo, you know, whether they're in the wholesale, the retail, whether they're in the cloud space, we have all these people that come together where we make sure that... A, what we've still got and our curriculum is still right, still up to date and still what they're seeing. B, what they think is coming in the future, what the issues they're having and where they need education. And then we help to sort of shape our next uh, programme plans, our current programmes and making sure that we're still always on track and, and on point with what we need to offer.
0: Yeah, because I think it's hard to keep up, isn't it? As we always say, you know, it's hard to keep up the industry. That's why I was interested to see how you how you work it really, because I can imagine that a client could come to you and say, "Oh, we need extra training in this area," but equally, you need to be at a point where you're going to your clients and saying, "We've produced this training for that area," um, yeah. which means you, you've got to just keep on top of it at both sides. Yeah, from a from a client perspective, it's quite interesting to know kind of what clients are saying to you at the moment about training and development. You know, what are they are they worried about the skill shortage? Are they worried about the training that's available or Are they kind of hopeful that it's going to work its way out?
1: Yeah, I mean, skills shortage is something that's been talked about for a very, very long time. You said a minute ago, you know, you're hearing the same things now that you heard 16 years ago, and it doesn't seem much has changed. Um, There is a lot of stuff going on in the background that's coming to the forefront, certainly in the UK space where we've got... You know, government actually now looking at lifelong learning. You know, education is really the key. We need to refer to it as education, not training. You know, training has a space where it's for a specific need. You know, you might have a manufacturer training course on a specific manufacturer of products that does the job for that product. But what we're really operating in here is education, lifelong learning, steps in your career, career pathways and keeping yourself up to speed with the skills and knowledge you need. UK market um, and the government policy here is to be led by the industry. That's something that's changed quite a bit over the last few years. And we've got to get more involved in that ourselves as an industry to shape for the youth coming through, how they've got a pathway into our industry. We have to engage with those a lot earlier in their their life. Um, We know from all the research and things out there that they start making subconscious and unconscious decisions from as young as eight years old. You know, we talk a lot about diversity, inclusion and, and bringing, you know, people into the industry that haven't necessarily been here. You know, the gender imbalance, that sort of thing. But if you've got people at the age of eight who've got parents that don't know about our industry, don't know what we operate. We've got schools that don't know. We exist still um, or don't know a pathway into what we do. Um, we've got to start getting involved as an industry across the board on the curriculum and everything else that's going on. So there's some really, really great things happening now in the UK space, certainly with things like T levels. So technical levels that have, have just been launched. And there is one specifically, one of the first ones is um, for digital So that's really great to see and we need to get involved and help shape the curriculum on that, on the specialisms of, you know, network cabling or digital support services and all of that. Um, We're about to launch the first university technical college in the UK that is dedicated to data centres. So that's down in Heathrow. That starts in September and that will have 14 to 18 year olds in there on a pathway for specialising in technical skills for the voc- vocational side of things as well as your standard STEM subjects for maths and English and all of that sort of stuff but one and a half days a week of their time in that school is spent on project-based learning which is set by the data centre organisations and people on board to help with the projects give them projects to do and actually give them some real life experience of what is likely to be there at the end of their qualification and the job market that's out there. Um, you know, the market and is looking for people that have got the right skills for the job, for example, whether they be technical skills or academic skills, depending on what jobs are available. But critical thinking is a really big thing now, and, and the education is trying to move things towards getting children to understand critical thinking, project-based, all that sort of stuff. Um, we've got apprenticeships now. They're having a big
0: resurgence been yeah, I'm definitely seeing that the apprenticeships is is having a big push, isn't it? Especially in our industry, which I think is great, and it's probably something that we took our eye off the ball a bit with that one as as a whole, as a country. I think in the last ten years or however long it's been.
1: Yeah, I'd agree, and, and the government are backing apprenticeships. You know, with the funding schemes in the UK market for apprenticeships, they're clearly getting on board with that and seeing it as a great route into into work for for people of all ages. Now, you know, apprenticeships are not just you know, your 16-year-old kids coming out of school who get an apprenticeship and sort of make a cup of tea every now and again and do it like that in the old days. They are properly in any age, any level in terms of the qualifications. They don't just have to be the entry levels either. Um, you know, and, and the government policy here is that level three is a minimum qualification level that people should leave there academia with at the first instance so they're in school now or education till they're 18 whereas before it was 16 like I said when I left school so there's been a lot of changes there apprenticeships have always had a bit of a stigma but that needs to change and one of the things I mentioned on on another call I did the other day was you know we should really be calling them careerships not apprenticeships they're careerships because there's different opportunities as you're employed with someone to step to the next level and take an apprenticeship at that level because you might end up in a job from an apprenticeship at an entry level. You then may want to get into the design function. So you can do an apprenticeship at a design function or you can do a degree apprenticeship. You know, all of these things are available now. Um, And we need to sort of remove that stigma and, and allow these individuals into our facilities and organisations to get the learning they need, the qualifications they need and build your workforce at the same time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I agree. I think education in our generation, it kind of ends At 21, if you're at uni; 18, if you go to college; or 16 at school. There was never really much emphasis on continuing your education in the workplace, and it never really was talked about, was it? Kind of not at my. I went to university, did sports science, totally useless. Ended up in uh, in recruitment, so you know it was. I went because I played football, which is how ridiculous the choices were then, because you didn't really have the education of what you should take, why you should take it. You just you would just kind of go to uni, so you did. Um, but yeah, well, I just think there was a bit of a stigma that the education ends then and in, in-house training and education didn't really exist as much as it does now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I would definitely agree with that. But, you know, things are changing, but it still requires a lot of work from the industry. You know, it can't yeah. all be left to... Um, schools and colleges and governments you know we have to get involved we have to be part of that whole process so that we can scope what we want out of the next generations coming through because otherwise the curriculum will be behind where you need the individuals to be so you know there is incumbent upon us to get involved and, and shape that and scope that and give the next generation, an opportunity for, you know, what, let's face it, is a fantastic industry to be in. It's not going anywhere. It's been one of the least hit industries in the world during the pandemic times. Um, you know, there's been some changes and some hardships through this, but but the bottom line is we're all still here in this industry in some way, shape or form. Data centres are certainly not disappearing. Cloud's not disappearing. Internet's not disappearing. It's a great career Opportunity to get into, um, but we need to let people know about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I know we're relying on that. I always say you've got to take the message to these people. I think too many companies and organizations talk about it as if they've, they've solved the problem by talking about it. But it only works if you go to these people and take the message to them. They're not going to just suddenly turn up at your door. Um, you really need to go and get them and speak to them and get exposure to the industry, basically. One question I also get asked by younger generation is graduates. So when they're a graduate and they they come to me and they say, Andy, I've got a degree in electrical engineering, how do I get into data centers? I don't see many graduate specific training programs. Do you see that changing or do you agree that there isn't that many available?
1: No, I mean, the graduate schemes have definitely changed over the last three to five years you know there used to be big emphasis on taking graduates in your big organizations every year
0: all the yeah, time like a cyclical process yeah
1: yeah, yeah. And, and they seem to have largely disappeared now they're not trying to do that and I, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing I think that's because they're opening up these opportunities to people that haven't come through that route which they weren't doing before so their pool has widened and the opportunity for people to get into orange has widened and therefore is, is a good thing um but ultimately yeah i mean really i think what most organisations are looking for um, and they'll tell you this i know you had teresa from cbre on the other day talking about the town crisis you know it's really attitude ability critical thinking and sort of you can do you can do the educational piece with those sorts of people you need the attitude to be right you need them to be on time you know something as simple as when you go to school for most schools you don't start until Nine o'clock in the morning or 8.30 and you finish at 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, University Technical College, however, you start at 7 in the morning or 8 in the morning and you go through till 5 o'clock in the afternoon like a normal working day. And I think a lot of a lot of it is attitude and all of that is a massive, massive part of it. And from an educational point of view, you know, we have a massive framework. Our, our digital infrastructure education framework that we offer around the world has training programs available at all the different levels to give individuals the skills and knowledge they need to progress into those steps. So as long as you've got that baseline attitude, you, you can go anywhere with it. Um, and I think, yeah, if also with graduates, they, they therefore have other skills available if they've done an electrical engineering degree, you know, they're well versed in electrical engineering well a lot of the job roles here are mechanical or electrical and if you've got one of those skill sets you can get into the industry and be taught the rest of it you know as part of your on the job training as part of training like the programs that we offer so I think there's a lot of opportunity but it's putting yourself out there with the right attitudes to to get the job in the first place and then progressing your, your career from there.
0: Yeah, 100%, totally agree. And um, another one I wanted to talk to you about was cross-sector training. We were on a roundtable the other week with CBRE, like you said, and we were, they were talking about you know how we can look at other sectors, we can attract people from these industries and bring them into the data centre sector. Now, one question I get asked a lot by those people in the sector, in the other sectors, is what training can I do to help me get into the industry? You know, is there anything available from an education piece that you can do before you start in the industry to give you a a leg up I guess into the sector
1: yeah I mean we we work with a lot of organization on individual organizational level on you know what I would refer to as a career transition program a CTP type program where you're looking for all these people and now I suppose there's a really great opportunity for our industry and these organizations with other industries that have dropped off over the pandemic you know aviation and things like that where they've got engineers they've got people that have got the engineering skills you want and then you've got to transition them across and find them you know so from our educational point of view we have an entry-level program which is our data center fundamentals course Um, you know and it is exactly what it says It's, it's data center fundamentals what is a data center what's the industry about why are they there what do they do and for an individual that's got you know engineering technical you know other skills for other roles that aren't technical as well in our industry you know things like data center fundamentals is a great entry point into Giving yourself a a baseline understanding of what the data centres are and what the industry is about, so at least when you're applying for these jobs, you you go into interview stage and you you understand that. And then once you're there, you've got other job, you know, other education programs like the Certified Data Center Technician Professional. You know, if you if you're a technician in another industry, you know, chances are that's suitable for you because you've got a baseline knowledge of you know, whether it's a network infrastructure or electrical um, or, or HVAC, you know, and then you can cross train to get a certification relevant to our industry and walk into, you know, a data centre, get some more on the job learning while you're in there as part of your onboarding and, and your, your initial process. And get a job and a career to progress from so there's so many opportunities available um, but i think also you know from our industry point of view we've got to go out and, and approach these companies that are letting people go where they will have cross ref, you know cross functional skills and actually go to them and say right you know you've just made ten thousand people redundant over the next six months how can we assist getting some of those people back into employment with the jobs that we have to offer
0: yeah, exactly. I've always thought there should be some kind of central government led portal for that. You know, we're making redundancies as a company and another company can see they're making redundancies or they've been made redundant and they can access that that talent or at least have a conversation. But yeah, I, I do agree. Again, it's it's a case of going to get them rather than just expecting them yeah. to come to you.
1: And retraining from redundancy, quite often there are redundancy retraining packages available. We've done a number of them over the years for the likes of, you know, in the UK market when it changed from Rover, Peugeot, Michelin, Gillette, you know, all of these things, we were involved in redundancy retraining schemes to get people the baseline knowledge and skills and and qualifications needed to to step into industry. So, and we're still involved in those types of uh, programs now. Um, But if the companies don't go and, look for those individuals they won't see the pathways into our industry and that's really what we can do show them the pathways show them the opportunities we can show them an educational plan and then we can bring it all together and and give them you know their career aspects
0: yeah and we were doing a lot of these when the financial crash happened last time i remember going to job centers and having conversations with people that have been made redundant from the construction sector but the, the issue is that we only really think about it when there's a problem, don't we? And by then it's it's too late, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's got to be something that's done all the time, um, you know, and, and it's got to be, you know, almost part of the legacy that we have as an industry for, for you know, people out there. Um, we were involved in the Olympics, for example, way back in 2009, 2010, we started a project where we, we retrained 200 people from the host boroughs in London through the job centres that were long-term unemployed in network cable installation work, got them jobs with the companies operating on all of the parks that were being built for the the Olympics to take place. Um, And it was the most successful uh, project um, on the Olympics in terms of the number of people that stayed in employment beyond the Olympics through the retraining process. But, you know, it's the pathway. And as I said, it's about the attitude of the individuals coming out. If you get them with the right attitude... They'll learn, they'll work hard, and they're the people that you want in your organizations.
0: Yeah, and that is something that clients always say to me as well when they're looking at people from other sectors. It is we want them to come to the interview really motivated and show that desire that they want to work in data centers and not just because they know it's busy. You know, there has to be a desire to be in the industry, to develop a career, and like you say, have the right attitude to, to be successful. The final topic I wanted to cover was upskilling so existing people that are in the industry already because another one that I get asked quite a bit from people in the sector saying can I do other courses you know I'm a design engineer but I'd like to learn more about another element is there are there courses available for these people as well
1: yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really the basis of the Global Digital Infrastructure Education Framework that we have, which you can see on our website. It's, it's available and you, it, you know, it takes you as a career pathway almost from bottom to top, where we, as I've said before, we have data centre fundamentals, we have network cable installation. And then we step up through data centre technician, certified data centre technician professional, we have design professional, we have management professional, auditing energy management planning, sustainability. We have the infrastructure design side of things, um, the integrated infrastructure technician for people in the building, you know, of normal high rise, doing a lot more integrated infrastructure, for example, um, right through at the very top of it to a master's degree in data centre leadership and management, which is the only master's degree in that specific data centre leadership and management in the world. It's a full MA awarded by Anglia Ruskin University in Cambridge. Um, And we are, um, you know, their partner to deliver that um, an associate college of Anglia Ruskin, which again means we've jumped through a lot of hurdles and hoops to to be able to offer qualifications at that level. Um, So there's a lot of stuff out there. And I think one of the key points to look at is the qualifications versus certifications point that a lot of people don't understand. You know, all of our programs there have recognised qualifications that you get for life, which are awarded by Pearson who are the largest awarding body of qualifications in the world. So you do a programme at a level four qualification, level five qualification, right up to your your master's degree at level seven, and you get a recognised qualification that can be mapped to any country in the world to their qualification framework, sits on the global qualification framework at that level and proves your knowledge sits at the right level for the job that you're wanting to move into apply for etc and you get the certifications that we award off the back of them that say that you are current and relevant in that job function that management or design or, or whatever it might be so lots of availability to build on your career grow your career step into new areas and um, it's all available and that's really where we built our our entire framework so that there does show there is a career pathway for individuals but if you've got knowledge and skills already you go wherever is relevant you don't have to start at the bottom you go to the right program at the right level for the the qualification you're looking to gain
0: yeah I think that is really important from what you're saying as well and do you see the benefit so when someone comes to you and they do say the MA someone at the top of the level and they do the MA and they take the course do you see the benefit that it gives that person from a career perspective um, And also from, you know, just a knowledge piece, really.
1: Yeah, I think we see it all the time. We get a lot of people that, you know, even a data centre technician, they get certified and qualified at that level, for example, um, and then they go back into their facilities and, and they're more confident. You know, a lot of what we're talking about is competencies, but confidence is a really good part of that. And if you're a competent individual with low confidence you know, you, you, you're likely to get shouted down internally with someone who's highly confident, but not, not be as competent as you are. So, you know, it's a really key aspect. One of the things that we have that, that we offer out is is a competency and confidence assessment modelling tool. We call it ccan for short. And that's based at the moment on data centre technicians and analysing and assessing teams of individuals in organizations say right are they at the right competency and confidence levels for the role that they're in already can we then work with them on the areas where they're lacking on their competence with specific education programs or full programs that they need to do to get to the right level and actually we do that for organizations to you know baseline their teams make sure they're all at the right minimum level and work on the training for the people who need it Um, And not necessarily giving training as a reward all the time. That's quite often what organisations have done in the past. And actually what you're better off to do is train the people who need the training and reward the people with maybe their next step of training, their next phase in their career training pathway and not necessarily training at the level they're at. So there's all these different routes and opportunities, but we have a pretty solid framework available to to help people within nearly every job aspect um, of the data centre place.
0: Yeah, I agree about it being a continuous process. I think that's really important with any educational training that, like you say, you don't have to put your hand up and go, oh, you know, I'd love to do this course. People are coming to you and saying, all right, you're at this point now, we want you to do this course. This is, if you get promoted, you will also take this course at that level and the next level it has it as well. If you build it into a program, that employee can see their career path and also see the education alongside of it. And it shows from a you know from my perspective i was an employee in that company it shows the investment that the organization is prepared to put into you for your success
1: yeah absolutely and the the master's degree topping the whole framework is a really key point that we we took a long time to to get over the line and build and produce and get you know get ourselves to be an associate college of a university which is not an easy task but believe me um and then get the qualification put together and get them to back it and give the ma at the end of it because A lot of people who work in our industry, as we've already sort of alluded to, don't come through university, don't come through the graduates, they don't have a degree, but they've got, you know, 20 years of experience, 15, 30 years of experience, and they want to get something that backs up their level of experience and prove that they are at that level and get a degree for themselves, which they wouldn't have normally got the opportunity to do so. So, you know, that's really the the icing on the cake, if you like, of having that degree right at the top of the framework to say, there's your aspiration. You know, you can get a degree relevant to our industry to back up all of your experience that you've had.
0: No, I agree. I think there's a lot of people that reach that level as well and they want to sometimes do an educa- do some education. They just think, actually, I've never really done anything. I'd like to study what I do. I'd like to learn more about what I do. I know, I know what I do, but I don't really know the sort of technicality and the education piece behind it because I've never done it so it helps you look back doesn't it and analyze what you do and maybe come up with new ideas for for your organization or, or within absolutely. your
1: world yeah absolutely and as I say I mean the key really I'm putting out here is, is education it's lifelong learning career learning and, and continuing education
0: yeah just keep it going and finally on that point then just before we wrap up but from an education piece what would you what would you say the industry really needs to do to kind of take it take us forward as a sector from an education and what more can we do
1: um i think from a skill shortage point of view as i've said before we've got to get involved with academia with government policy with everything available for people and pathways into our industry and you know that's not just the uk that's every region every country around the world they all have their own Um, policies they all have their own curriculums they all have their own roots but they're not dissimilar in every country you know there's nuances there's slightly different variations on age and when they leave schools and all those sorts of things but if we don't interact with it as an industry collectively and collaboratively I can't stress that enough it's got to be collaborative we can't just have you know one big organization saying we want all the people for our our skills gap and we're going to just be the only people that go and do that, it needs to be collaborative. Because without collaborative, you don't get the whole industry pushing it forward to people, and therefore they don't get sight of it as much as they will if everyone's involved, everyone's on the same page. Because ultimately, you know, we've got to do the right thing to get people into jobs and and employ them and, and give them a livelihood. And we've got to fill the skills gaps that we've got, you know, and the two are hand in hand. So yeah. I can't stress enough, collaboration is is really the key.
0: No, and I think that's where people like us can really get involved as well, isn't it? Because we're in the middle of all these companies and we're dealing with all these different organisations and we can give that viewpoint from, from everybody. And we can bring these people together as well. I think when you're in your own organisation and you're, you're, you've got that challenge to solve for yourself, it is hard to have the time to really focus on it as an industry. It's, it's more dealing with that short-term problem rather than the long-term solution, whereas we can see it from everybody and we can say, look, that company over there is having the same problem as you. Why don't you speak to them? Why don't you, you know, let's get a round table together, have a chat with them and bring it all together and then you can solve the problem together and stop poaching staff from each other.
1: Yeah, because uh, let's face it—you know—we talk a lot about sustainability in this industry, in you know, in terms of facilities and yeah. energy and power consumption and and carbon footprint and all of the, you know the sustainability, energy efficiency thing. But I see the the skills crisis, shortage, whatever you want to refer to it as, as the new sustainability. You know, the short-term plan of poaching people from industry, from each other, and paying more money and all these sorts of things is really short-term and, and will not be viable and is not viable already. Um, your medium-term, you can go in and do some things now with people coming into our industry from other industries, cross-sector, ex-armed forces, people, uh, schools and colleges, and building that, that area um, up, as I've said, collaboratively, and then your long-term plan is to have that all come together. But it's going to take time. It's going to take investments, but alongside of that time and investment that organisations put into it, will will it inevitably build their profit line? Because in the future, they'll have a pipeline of talent they'll have the right people with the right skills in the right jobs um, and they'll be more profitable for it. So, you know, we've said earlier on this this discussion, 16 years into this industry myself, you said something similar in terms of when you got into data centres and you were having the same conversation then that we are now. Well, if we'd have all done this 16 years ago, there wouldn't be... A skill shortage of people coming into industry because we'd have all got together and done it. And I think the industry's matured quite a lot in the last five years in terms of it was very secretive before. We didn't yeah. tell anyone we were a data centre. There was no name outside the office blocks. You know all this sort of stuff. That's changed now. The data centres are heard of um, by the public. You know they they may not be fully aware of what they are and what they do and how they operate but they've heard of them so now's a really great time to get collaborative and, and do something about it for the longer term
0: definitely and I also think the industry is doing a lot to solve it which is another point I always get across because I think by me and others talking about it all the time you can think that the perception could be oh well, the industry's not really doing anything I think the industry is doing a lot to try and solve it but the more we talk about it and the more we do that the the better the long term will be and it's it just, just takes that conversation, consistent conversation, I call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we wrap up, there's obviously one question I ask everybody on my podcast just to get their, their views. But if there's one piece of advice you could give anyone looking to work in the industry, what would it be?
1: Um, attitude, I suppose, is really what we've talked about. You know, If you've got attitude and you're driven, anything's possible. You know, I fell into the industry with no experience, but I was an individual that was quite driven and had an attitude to get somewhere and build a career. And and that's what I've done here. And I've been fortunate enough to have been able to do that. But I think anyone coming into industry um, and some of the cases that we've dealt with on the retraining of unemployed on the Olympics, for example, you know, some of the most successful people are the individuals that have never really been given an opportunity before that had the right attitude were given an opportunity and they're still in industry now, you know, eight, nine years later in successful roles, you know, building that career. So I think that's really a really key message.
0: Definitely. And they're the success stories we can share to attract more people as well. I think that's another thing we should do as an industry. And I think that's across all industries, share mm-hmm. the success stories, create your role models and, and show people what can be achieved in your industry. And that will drive younger people definitely and other people into the sector yeah no. thanks for time today Matt. i really enjoyed that conversation i think we've covered quite a lot of topics and i'm pretty sure that that will have massive value to the listeners as well because a lot of those questions are the ones i regularly get asked off the back of these are you happy for people to reach out to you directly if if they've got any questions on training yeah. or education 100
1: pleased to, to have conversations with people so you know look me up give me a call linkedin connected whatever it is but no, yeah. thanks for the invite andy
0: no absolute pleasure really appreciate you taking part and we'll catch up again soon fantastic